Welcome to Built for Life, the podcast dedicated to socially conscious property professionals who believe the future can be better than the present and your property decisions make it so. So to all of the innovators, this podcast will give you behind the scenes access to industry leading experts and researchers on how they think, create, analyze and deliver the best buildings in the world extracting their key advice, information, and considerations that you can apply to your personal and professional life. This is Adam Hines with my co-host, Jordan Ralph. Welcome to the Built for Life podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Built for Life podcast. And today we have a supremely interesting human being on the show, Johan Duplessis. Not only has Johan accomplished cycling around the entire world, yes, that is correct. I did say the entire world, which is an absolutely ridiculous achievement, but he's also um, created one of the most innovative new companies in the UK called Tepio, which uh, invented a whole new field of testing uh, of creating zero emission boilers. So, Johan, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Welcome. So I, I think before we get into the, the, the nuts and the bolts as to, to the real reason that we asked you to be on the show to talk about your, your zero emission boiler, let's just ask you quickly about your um, your round the world cycle. Can you tell us a bit about that? How long did it take? Oh, man, I, it was such a it actually feels like a while ago now. It was a, a few years ago, but it took uh, took about nine months, um, 230 days or something like that. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's one of those things that um, it kind of does end up defining, you know, what you've done, um, and uh, it's hu- it was huge, you know. What, was, what drove what drove your, I mean, beyond such an amazing like you know achievement, what drove you to to think about doing it in the first place? Um, it, so I was actually working in in South Korea at, um, back in 2013, um, early 2014, and. Uh, and it was as simple as I was sort of cycling to work every day and just realized that I needed a change of job. I needed to get out of, I was actually in the oil and gas industry at the time working in a shipyard and thought, okay. actually, what, like I'm, I'm here. Evil, evil oil and gas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> uh, I thought, well, I'm done with this. What if I just turn around and cycled the other way and just went home, like literally back to UK? Uh, and and it's sort of just the idea, the idea just tickled me. I thought, that's, that's ridiculous. You this can't is do- brilliant. Uh, and then I actually just put it, I went on Google Maps and I started looking and thought, actually, you know, if you look at like a hundred mile ride as a decent ride on a, on a Saturday, um, then actually if you, if you, if you map it all the way back from Korea to London, it's not that many days or like, it doesn't seem that ridiculous. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it is a long way, but, um, and then I thought, actually that's, that's, I might as well just come home and then do the whole thing. Um, so yeah, it kind of was as simple as that. It wasn't any more elaborate than just thinking, you know this i could definitely do this um and actually wow. you don't just get up off your ass and do stuff sometimes then you would never will know if you can or not and um it turns out you can we need I love, a separate a separate episode to talk about this i know this i love that your whole idea was driven by i don't like my job i want to cycle home <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it wasn't that bad a job. I did enjoy. It. <laughs> I, did, I did enjoy it, but uh, you know, it's. Um, I think it, it taught me a lot about um, actually 
sort of how I approach my business now and actually life and just you have to sometimes you take on big challenges and you have to just ignore the the scale of the challenge or I find it easiest to block it out and just think about every day at a time and just you know what is my ne- how far can I actually like envisage the future right now and sometimes it's uh, a few hours sometimes a couple of days and then um and then eventually you keep doing stuff and it ends up that you know you've achieved some some massive task or, or challenge and um yeah that's that's kind of the way i approach <laughs> certainly the way i approach tepio now because if you think about where we've got to go to to make this business a success it's you know it's huge um so you just focus on what you can and keep chipping away Perfect segue into uh, kicking off about Tepio, mate. So please <laughs> tell us about what you've invented. You've, you've invented a whole new um, technology. So give us an overview about sort of the driving force behind what you do and and why you sort of founded the business now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, so first, some people might take issue with it, saying it's a whole new field of, of heating. Um, we're actually, you know, the concept of what we're doing has been used in the past, but I think we, we've basically reinvented it and added some really interesting new ways of thinking about it and some new new tech. Um, uh, so basically, I started Tepio a couple of years ago now, two and a half years ago, and um, came out of, I suppose, a combination of all the different things I've done in my career to date, but uh, culminating in my, my job at Ovo Energy, where I was the head of smart heating. Um, and looking at this problem of decarbonizing domestic heating, which really is undoubtedly the elephant in the room when it comes to decarbonisation. Um, it is it is the single biggest challenge we have as the UK, you know, trying to get to net zero, um, and and it really is kind of being the can is being kicked down the road, if, as it were. Um, and so what what I came up with was something that tries to solve the challenges of uh, you know, moving to a decentralised um, uh, more. Uh, decentralized energy grid that is more heavily dependent on renewables uh, that requires flexibility uh, and also the need to get people away from gas and oil boilers onto um, something that's electric. So um, the ZEB basically takes electricity, it's direct electric heating, and heats up a very high density uh, thermal storage medium. Uh, You can think of it like a big block of concrete effectively. Um, but but then we pass air through this block, uh, through this storage medium onto a heat exchanger, um, and that basically you know has your central heating water in it. So um, so what it is is it's a it's a boiler replacement. It does exactly the same thing as far as the customer is concerned. It gives you the same high temperature heating hot water that you have from your from your oil or gas boiler. But actually, uh, we've we've managed to put you onto electricity um, in a way that is incredibly flexible, um, and just means that we're able to do some really cool stuff. It sounds sounds epic. And in terms of like the scale, you mentioned about this is one of the biggest challenges. It's always bugged me about decarbonising existing homes, existing people's homes. Is this the, one of the biggest opportunities to to achieve that? Would you say? Yeah, I mean, we um, a third of all the energy we use in the UK is in our homes, um, and actually a quarter of all the energy we use in the UK, and this includes transport, is is actually just heating our homes and for you know for space and hot water heating. Um, we have to we have to get people away from oil and gas boilers. Um, we have other solutions like heat pumps, but they're just not suitable for so many homes in this country. Um, you know, even if you look beyond the cost of them and um, 
the, the challenges of retrofitting they're, they're just not going to be they're just not going to be a solution for so many homes in the uk um and like it or not <laughs> the most of the millions of the 27 million homes we have are still going to be standing in 2050 um so we've got to do something about getting them away from from what they're currently using to see their homes um and I, and I guess this sorry. becomes really this becomes a really low cost, uh, easy solution for doing that, um, while at the same time uh, supporting you know the transition to a to a carbon-free grid. Yeah, and I was, I was just thinking as you you were talking there about the solution. We I mean I, I read probably a couple of weeks ago now about the Boris Johnson saying about this massive green push and making UK well, like the, the the wind farm or the of Saudi Arabia or I think what what it was 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 called to um, bring renewable energy and electricity to the UK but that's only as good as then adopting this type of technology in homes to use it isn't it and I suppose that's the the balance um, in terms of, of, of bringing that so what what would I mean is there a cost benefits now over this you know as well as um, reduced emissions is that is that what can be you know, so, explored we, yeah, I mean, definitely. What for 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 customers, um, one of the challenges we have is obviously gas is very very cheap at the moment, um, and and part of the reason for that is actually that the government is taxing uh, electricity um, and lumping on the cost of uh, you know environmental and social costs are, are, are huge on on your electricity bill. About a quarter of your your electricity bill is just paying for environmental and social costs. Um, which is which is actually more per kilowatt hour than 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 the gas price, uh, which is which is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, even with that, there's enough flexibility in the electricity grid that actually we can we can actually access you know electricity at any time of day, and we're working with energy suppliers so that we can actually charge you know your Zeb uh, on electricity that's cheap enough to make it cost comparable with gas. Um, particularly when we we can then lump on additional savings like uh, well there's the emission there's the efficiency saving versus gas um, and then things like uh, grid balancing services and, and, and flexibility services that we are that we're working on, on delivering as well with with energy suppliers um, I think I think the the this sort of broader question is you know as we as we move towards uh, Towards net zero and to, towards you know a system solution to, to getting to, to zero carbon electricity, you mentioned the wind turbines. I mean, it's a great example that we, Boris says he wants to have lots of wind turbines, but what is he going to do with all the all the electricity? You know, yeah. unless we support flexibility. The last year we paid se- almost 700 million pounds to renewable generators to not generate. <laughs> wow. Which is ridiculous. So, so ten years ago, that number was about 150 million, uh, and last year it was about I think it was 680 million, according to the National Grid statistics. But that, that's basically saying to renewable generators, right now we can't take your electricity because no one needs it, um, and you know that's nuts. That's <laughs> bananas. bananas. So with all of this, most of the electricity is then just being generated through fossil fuels in the in the traditional way or power stations then. And it's yeah, and, and it's just at those times that we, you know, because of the 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 generation stack, you know, um, we we can't turn off, we we just can't use all the all the wind that we're generating at, at a specific time, um, and you know we can't we can't put it in batteries because we haven't got enough of them. We can't put it in in people's homes because there's nothing to use it, um, and uh, yeah, and you end up 
because because you've got contracts with wind wind turbines, they, you know we have to pay them. Wow, it's bonkers, doesn't it? It's bonkers. crazy. <laughs> That's terribly inefficient. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested to to sort of dive a bit deeper into the zero emission boiler that you've created and look at like I suppose the key differences between your product and what's sort of traditionally on the market with just a general gas boiler like are you I know you're starting to live test now in the field are you how are you finding the the performance analysis when you're comparing one versus the other are they comparable yeah it's 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 going really it's going really well at the moment um you know we are still early stage we've got eight um, units um, at the moment in homes um and uh they're doing doing really well we've got our you know they all connect to our back-end iot infrastructure uh which means we're you know monitoring them in real time um we've got our algorithm working in the background making sure they're charging at the optimum times of day um but in terms of the heating performance you know they're giving giving customers exactly the same uh experience that they had before with their boiler so you know it's talking to exactly the same thermostat they had before they've still got um and so actually, actually, it's a bit boring, <laughs> which is how we like it. You know, for them, there's no change, um, except that psychologically, um, they're all pretty excited because they don't burn, they're not burning gas at the moment. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we wanted. That's what we set out to achieve. Um, we are learning a lot. You know, every house is different. Every house comes with its own different challenges about how it's wired up, how the boilers fitted into the you know, into the plumbing, into the you know, the water tank, and everything. How it all comes together. Um, but so far, it's been it's been all good. So, um, uh, yeah, we're we're pretty bullish about the next year. And how actually big uh, is the system? Is it a similar size to a normal boiler? Or are they bigger, smaller? They so they are bigger, and it's probably our biggest one of our biggest challenges actually is that it it is um, the current unit is about the size of a washing machine. Okay. Um, and it's also quite heavy, so it weighs about 300 kilograms. Um, but we can't really get around that because there's physics um, uh, that we've we've kind of got to contend with. Um, and to store large amounts of heat, you need mass. Um, so so we can't really get around that. Um, at the moment, what we're typically finding is that you know it'll sit on the floor just below the boiler if it's in a utility cupboard or utility room, or it can sit uh, you know under the stairs or uh, in the kitchen. So a whole range of different places people are finding to put these things, um, but uh, yeah, that is that is one of the one of the challenges that they are they are bigger than than gas boilers. And run me through let let's say I've well let's take my house for example I'm renovating at the moment if I wanted to swap to a zero emission boiler what's sort of the process for installation like I'm I'm assuming you mentioned before that obviously if you don't have gas and you don't have gas pipes so that's a that's a big change to a house that you don't need gas pipes coming through um what are the sort of installation process that you go through and the key differences yeah so so um i suppose it depends whether you're starting from it depends how far your renovation is going out of if, if you're going back to basics uh then then you're sort of installing a whole new system but assuming you've currently got a gas boiler correct uh, i do then um you know you you can get rid of your flu um you can get rid of the gas boiler itself and the, and the gas connection or you can just leave them there if you if you want um and the zeb will go uh wherever you want to put it as as long as we have access to the pipes that are going into your boiler at the moment um so if if, uh, if there's space below your current boiler you can 
we can park the Zeb there. Uh, we will cut the pipes that are going into your current gas boiler and just uh, solder them down into the Zeb. So a pretty basic plumbing job. Um, and then we run a, an electricity cable from the back of the Zeb to your fuse board. So probably the biggest the biggest sort of scope is actually just running a cable uh, mm. back to the fuse board. Um, but uh, I mean that's basically it. <laughs> I mean, I can... is that is that is that really it? I mean, you're just connecting straight onto the space heating pipe work. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that, that's, that's crazy. That's what we're trying to do because you know um, the trouble with other things like heat pumps is often you've got to have a, a look at the entire system. You've got to potentially change out your radiators for low temperature emitters. Which is fine um, in some cases, but it's a huge barrier for people. And um, in fact, one of my my ops manager <laughs> last week was he was going. He said, "I've been to quite a few of these installs now, but I can't understand why we're paying the plumbers because actually I could do this." And you know, he's certainly not a plumber, um, which I'm not suggesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, definitely, definitely do be a plumber if you're going to do some plumbing in the house. But um, but yeah, it's pretty basic. Wow. No, I'm just thinking because we've. We're doing a lot of um, feasibility work for clients at the minute, and and some of the architects we're working with, they, this is on their radar, which is really good. Um, and but we're we're being steered predominantly by them from from air source heat pumps. And as you said, um, there is a whole, um, I suppose, conversion piece from an existing. And this is in this case, it was an oil oil based system, um, mm. and they were looking to convert. And that that was a challenge, and it actually. Included them in this instance on one of the jobs we looked at last week from from going with it because of cost mm. and just listening to just how simple that that solution is in terms of what what you've outlined is is perfect and that we're we're you know all creatures of um, convenience aren't we so something that is super convenient super easy is is perfect um, would you I mean something that's interested me and I'm not sure how much you can go into detail but in terms of the cost of heating at the minute i mean like you said electricity is is quite expensive and you can use some of the um low tariff um you know electricity times within the day to to to, to make it more efficient is it at the minute is it what what would it typically do to an electricity bill oh versus what you'd be paying in gas do you know what the yeah. ratio of that would be um yeah so it, it really does the, it really does depend uh I'm not avoiding the question, but it really does depend on where in the country you are, how much electricity you're using um, uh, at the moment, or how much heating, sorry, you're using at the moment. Um, so for, for smaller homes, um, we can actually make it pretty much cost competitive with gas. And it's partly benefits, you know, the part of the benefit is getting rid of the standing charge of your gas, which is about £75 a year. Um, so that, that can help contribute towards it. Um, it then also depends on which tariffs we can get you onto. Um, so the most flexible at the moment is Octopus. They've got this uh, dynamic tariff called Agile, um, which is basically it gives you half, uh, half hourly pricing. Um, but actually, some of the EV tariffs um, are, are really beneficial. You know, they, um, in fact, another Octopus tariff, tariff called the, the Go tariff gives you five pence in the morning. Um, so, but. Undoubtedly, at the moment, it, in general, it's going to cost you more than gas, and it's really hard to say how much because it does depend on your house. But you know, anywhere between sort of parity uh, and, and twice as much for for a large house. Um, yeah, and I guess that's that's offset if you're having you know like PV panels or or anything to help correct. supplement that. Yeah, and yeah. there always is that, as we said about you said it's the elephant in the room, and it's the, the can that's being kicked down the road is this zero carbon by 2050, but 
the targets obviously need to be met you know significantly before that um into, into 2030 2040 there is going to be a a lag isn't there in terms or a, an overlap a sizable overlap from this transitional period it's i suppose it's this is about part of that journey isn't it in getting to that um and it's a bit chicken and egg i suppose in terms of renewable energy renewable electricity and having this technology in your homes to make use of that um which is yeah i think um you know solar pv is obviously if you have solar you know to have to, to be self-consuming your solar is is a no-brainer and that that is very easy with a z um, the other thing is, you know, we are working with uh, closely with with a few energy suppliers to develop new tariffs um, and actually thinking of moving towards service models. So, you know, in the future, you might actually not pay per kilowatt hour for your heating, you might just pay for heating. Um, and then the, your energy supply will actually be optimizing, you know, when the ZEB is charging uh, and just making sure they give you, you know, units of heat. Um, so, you know, there are lots of really interesting things going on at the moment um, to try and open up some of the, the value of the flexibility, because actually uh, there's, there's so much more value to the energy system than you see through the flexibility of your electricity price um, if, you, if you have something like this or, or a battery um, as well in your home. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And Johan, you mentioned a moment ago about working through this um rollout phase where, where you're working with with different homes and and testing what what's the plans for the next sort of three to five years for you know post this testing is it a full market rollout or yeah I mean, well um five years is a long long time away i can't <laughs> i've got got ideas but you know we're, we're taking it um sort of as it comes at the moment the plan is for for the next year we're uh, we just won the EDF Pulse Challenge, uh, which has been really exciting. Um, so we're potentially hey, congratulations. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're potentially going to be working with EDF um, and with with OVO as well, doing trials next year. What, so, what uh, was the uh, what was the competition? Sorry, could you just exp expand on what it was that you won? Uh, it's, it's, it's called the Pulse Challenge. Uh, it's part of EDF's. Uh, I think it's within the Blue Labs uh, innovation um, arm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, ba basically. Uh, lots of people lots of lots of uh, other startups and innovators sort of submit um applications and uh went through a, a bit of a process with them um and it's you know it's it's huge um it's it's just great to be recognized that you know they they are really behind this um they're really supportive of what we're doing um and they can see the, the huge benefits to, to them and also to the energy system so yeah it's called the edf pulse challenge Pulse um, challenge. Okay. Yeah. Have a look at and and what just out of curiosity, what what happens next? Now you've won that. You said you'll be working with EDF. Will they be like assisting you in developing products, or what? What's the sort of next stage with them? We we still need to. Um, I think it's a bit of a, an open uh, book at the moment. We still need to go. Sure. And, um, yeah. Talk to them about you know how that uh, how some sort of partnership might look and. You know, it. Um, I, I sort of don't want to second guess exactly what that's going to involve yet, but um, we we obviously hope we can work quite closely with them and do do a bunch of different things, um, because I, I do think the energy suppliers are going to be key to the future of, of mm. this. You know, they have the customer relationship. Um, they they increasingly want to offer other services to customers because they're making no margin on selling kilowatt hours, um, but they do have this really valuable customer relationship, um, and so. Um, yeah, there's, we think there's a big opportunity there to work with them.
what are your sort of ambitions once you're through the test phase uh, with your initial installations? Where where do you sort of see this going to accelerate the transition from fossil fuels? Will you guys be, do you think, selling direct to consumers or will you be direct to developers on a larger scale? Where do you, or a combination of both? Where does this sort of fit? It's, it's definitely going to be a combination of angles. Um, you know, initially, initially we think it's, it's direct to consumer for low volume. You know, there are, Plenty of prosumers out there, people who approach us all the time, just saying, you know, I'll pay whatever you want. I just, just really want to get off my boiler. So, you know, there'll undoubtedly, undoubtedly be some low volume sales to them. Um, but I think longer term, it, it's definitely a B two B to C kind of play, um, and and that's, you know, a number of different routes. One will be uh, through energy suppliers. Um, the other one will be, you know, probably directly to developers who we, we're talking to as well at the moment about. Um, getting this into the plans very early on um, when, they, when they're about to roll out a new uh, a new development or a new scheme um, and then uh, I, I, you know the, the other the other big sales tool we have is actually via heating engineers so you know your, your, your existing boiler man who um, is going to have to start selling other things other than boilers um, and so we're speaking to quite a few installers um, and, and often you know that, that that is actually the way that most boilers are sold at the moment and it's one of the challenges is that boilers are distressed purchases you know typically uh it's only when your boiler breaks that you start thinking about your boiler <laughs> um uh, and then it's then it's almost too late to then sort of make a really big change to a different heating system uh, which is another challenge for heat pumps uh and also for us but we're hoping that actually working with installers you know uh, we can make this a really easy, easy change for people. Um, so, so they will become part of our uh, arm's length sales team. I think. I'm already, I'm already going to email this client that didn't want to go with the air source heat pump about integrating <laughs> this in their project because Dude, it just yeah. seems so obvious. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. My mind is. And and if you don't mind me saying, Johan, it, it it's such a simple solution, isn't it? It, it is a it is like a direct replacement. I think Not that's to the downplay your invention at all. No, but I think that's the beauty of it. Is it's yeah. just it is the simplicity of it is what will make this so successful and make it yeah. so obvious to be included. I think that's and it's probably people just knowing that this sort of stuff exists more. I mean, I, I would imagine that's part yeah. of the education process, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's uh, it's funny you say that actually. <laughs> In fact, at the risk of sort of losing some followers here, we had um, Theresa May over at the workshop on on Friday. She came for a, a visit. Um, and, That's pretty uh, cool. Which which is really which is really cool. You know, she is an XPM, and she did sign us up to you know the first person to sign us up to net to net zero by 2050. Um, well, she was the prime minister when um, that was agreed. Um, and you know, what, actually, one of the first things she said is like, but you know, if this is this is this seems like such a great solution but it's so simple and why is no one else doing this and um to which i don't have a great answer except that i th- i do think it it kind of i was very lucky that i was sort of sat at this crossroads my engineering background my my roller over looking at the heat problem understanding about the grid physics uh, and how and, and the issue of heating and how it all came together and it is you know m- my goal is to make this as simple as possible. So I actually love it when people say, oh, that's a really simple solution. You know, that, that is winning. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Adam, you know, Adam was going to wrap me across the knuckles after this. I guarantee no, it. But no, no. That, that's exactly back in your camp. <laughs> you, saved, you saved Jordan's backside. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Try and make it simple. Make it simple, stupid, as they say. Um, mate, are you? You've you've mentioned obviously you've got your test sites and longer term ambitions to roll this out. I assume there's sort of a, a transition phase between now and rolling out that you're going to be expanding test sites. Is that right? Is that something that you'd be looking to do to do more of and something that we can or other people, anyone listening, if they're interested in becoming a test site, uh, would be worthwhile discussing now, whether yeah. it's residential or on a developer scale. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so so yeah, currently we're doing residential uh, domestic uh, trials. We we've basically tried to stick within the Maidenhead area, um, just because it's where we are, and it's you know as long as we're within sort of 20 minutes, 30 minute drive, then we're fairly confident we can get out there quickly if there is an issue. Um, but thankfully, there haven't really been many. Um, so you know, as we grow in confidence, that kind of um, area can expand. But yeah, if there are people within kind of half an hour, 45 minutes of of Maidenhead, you know, on the M4 somewhere um that that are keen to to trial the product um our existing uh, model mean uh, requires you to have a water tank um and hopefully your gas consumption at the moment isn't more than about 200,000 um kilowatt hours a year um did i get that right um ba- basically a small sort of three bed house um is kind of what we're targeting at the moment um and and yeah, we're also looking. We're starting to think about you know what about SMEs, you know small small uh, offices and workshops uh, would also be ideally suited to this. Um, developers, you know, talking to a few few developers at the moment um, about piloting um, product in some of their developments. Um, but yeah, always keen to have conversations and to um, to uh, to collect people people's names who are interested in what we're doing. Awesome, love that. Okay, see, we'll see what we can do. Thank you. 2050 obviously going to be a huge transitional period between now and then for everyone clawing to try and get to zero carbon. How do you see the property industry changing through that period? Obviously, at the moment, it's it's sort of beginning to be on people's minds. But what what do you see as the key transitional stages between now and 2050? Well, that's a that's a tough one. I think you know, in terms of building design i i i still see too many buildings being in developments going up uh from developers who are you know obviously the front of mind is their own pocket um rather than the greater good and i think it's i think it's unrealistic to expect the mass market to just do things out of the kindness of their heart um i do think we need changes to the the future home standards um i know they are coming i don't think they are far reaching enough or quick enough um we need to force people to build better homes we're still building homes now that we're gonna have to retrofit um they're about to just build a new 400 home site in maidenhead all with gas boilers um you know it's it's crazy um that needs to change i think um i think we will see homes transitioning to you know becoming they are becoming smarter and more connected um and I think we need to see it then joined up as part of the energy system. And um, I was having this discussion with someone the other day, you know, we still think of a house um, as a discrete part of the system, whereas actually our homes are all part of the energy system. And until they become considered, you know, uh, uh, part of that and actually participate in sort of helping stabilize 
um, helping to provide flexibility to the broader system. Um, you know, until that happens, um, we won't have a very efficient solution. So I think you know that will come, um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, well before 2050. And it's, a, it's quite alarming. You answered that perfectly. You did. No, sorry, yeah. I was just going to say you answered it perfectly when Adam dropped you in there. Very young. <laughs> unexpectedly there's no there's no dropping anyone in on this we can go anywhere with this jordan what's your views on the 2050 carbon laws jordan you haven't given me long enough to answer that (laughs) (laughs) this is about johan yeah yeah no mate you said something um which jordan and i have discussed in a lot of depth um but you summed that up really really well in two sentences was that people are still building developments now new build developments with your 400 unit scheme and knowing that within the next 30 years they're going to have to be significantly retrofitted and it just highlights how crazy the property industry is just and and I, i can guarantee these sort of developments will still continue to happen for the sort of next five to 10 years until the penny drops that, oh, wow, we're going to have to make some quite significant changes to how we sort of view a home and its purpose and how it operates. Um, But yeah, I just thought, just like to underscore your point there, I thought that was, um, yeah, very, uh, very apt for this current climate that we're in. Absolutely. Something I wouldn't mind asking, I would put you on the spot. Once all this, um, the, the, the COVID stuff's out of the way, we'd love to come and have a visit to the workshop and just see see how it's all put Anytime. together. And I'd love to, we'd love to see that. I think that would be a good point. Really fascinating. We sort of forget that we're allowed out of the house. Well, I'm not <laughs> at the minute because I'm isolating, as we said. But but after this is sort yeah. of lifted and, and we are allowed to, once again, step outside of tier three between us, um, we would love to um, see it all. So. See you guys anytime. Don't yeah. you love just a, a forced invitation where we invited ourselves on a public <laughs> platform where you couldn't say no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, doesn't, uh... <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, that's what I mean. And we might not be Theresa May or or not, but we can we can certainly. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. No, no, definitely, definitely. And uh, um, no, look, I think uh, you you guys have more chance to actually implement this because you know you're building homes and things. So, um, you know, definitely come and have a visit. Have a visit. Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, that um, pretty much wraps us up, mate. I just, uh, I'm going to steal Jordan's question here, actually. Have you got any last words of advice for the property industry on um, anything? Or you, you may have emptied the tank in terms of what you've said so far, but is there anything else that you may want to add? Oh, man, the list is enormous. I, I could, as I said to you before we started, I could keep talking for hours, but I think everyone would start logging off. Um, I mean, I think... Um, I suppose what I would say is try not to go for the easy solution. Um, gas boilers are really easy um, because everyone knows them and they've been installing them for years. Um, they're just not a great solution, and they're not they're not um, uh, setting us up for a for a for a future where we can be carbon free uh, in our homes. And uh, yeah, sometimes I think <laughs> yeah we just need to think about that a little bit, oh, a little bit more um jordan last question for you my friend i'm interested just i should have probably asked you this as we're going through the nuts and bolts so it's a little bit upside down in terms of order but in when you're saying about you you link it back to the existing um consumer board in the house in the property um is it is there any 
I mean, in terms of the requirement to upgrade, and I appreciate this is a variable question because it depends on what what supply board you've got coming in. But do you literally just need one circuit spare to to effectively incorporate this, or is there an upgrade requirement? Yeah, um, it, it, no, it, it does depend on what you've um, what you've already got on your system. Um, it's a we need a 40 amp supply basically, which is um, the same as like an electric shower. Um, so it does need to have a, its own dedicated um, supply back to the board. But most houses are on a 100 amp supply, so you know it, it should be it should be fine um, um, in most cases. But we do we do also have a mechanism for monitoring. We use a CT clamp so we can monitor the the incomer. Uh, and if you do start getting close to your 100 amp limit, um, then we can actually throttle back the ZEB. Um, but uh, yeah, in most cases, it just goes on. As, uh, and in terms of maintenance, I mean, this is this is not good for me because I have really muddled up the order we're saying about any last words and then my last words are <laughs> detailed questions. But in terms of maintenance, of the, would you? Is it just like a standard, you know, yearly annual service type thing? Just to, yeah, let, yeah, let's yeah. should be less than that. I mean, we we um we 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 actually should know well ahead of time if there are going to be any issues because we've got some sort of monitoring. Uh, that tells us if there are any problems coming, but uh, it, you know it's less less maintenance intense than a gas boiler because there's no gas connection. Um, you don't need a gas certificate, um, which is a big saving as well. Um, yeah. And I guess also landlords, you're not you, you. This would obviously just fall as part of your your electrical safety certificate that obviously the the property is running, but that's that you would be doing that anyway. Yeah. So that sort of fits within within that, and obviously carbon monoxide reducing that risk as well in some yeah, of these there, older properties there's a safety element you know you, you you've got no gas on site um and actually and no local pollutants so no carbon monoxide issue um none of none of those concerns i think as a landlord i think is quite um uh, nice and reassuring yeah which is something i i think is is amazing we're talking just quickly about implementation and and think about it and think about the next steps whenever adam and i were talking about um zero carbon and, and the targets that we're working towards for the future it, it's just how most of at the minute we're finding are either sitting into a, a sustainability um, issue climate change issue and then the other side is the social value impact but this is one of those technologies which actually provides huge performance to air quality which is something that's been in the news only this week about just how important it is but the, the bigger picture of why this is so important is our collective health and I think that's something that we like the, the, around this technology is yes it's going to be in your home and it's going to have huge benefits to the environment to, to reducing and, and um, cutting emissions but also the, the health and well-being benefits that you have in in adopting this technology in your home there's such a, a massive positive positive element to it and I think that's something that is going to shift in the next few years this is my question response now to Adam now I've had time to think about it <laughs> But actually, it's it's adopting those things that almost like a, a social um, benefit. And it's the, the positivity of including incorporating this type of technology. And I think that's where developers will will suddenly start to think, actually, there's a real positive spin for us in having and adopting this type of technology within our homes. Um, and these are the benefits of why we we incorporate it. So I think I think there is a, a definite trend that will, will, will change. Um, whether that's in the next few years, but I think this year is only going to accelerate those, that thinking, really, in terms of, of what we should be doing. Um, and hey, if we can start 
incorporating that in the early parts of design, even if it's just considering it at this early stage, I think is is crucial. Just as you said, think about it, consider it, cost it. What are the challenges we need to think about? And it's at least it's on it's on the radar for professionals to start thinking about. I think is is crucial. So that's probably my my last point. But I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to this. It's been um, it's been very interesting and definitely one that we are going to be talking about in, in in our work and and trying to to, to recommend as well. Glad to hear it. Yeah, mate. Where can people uh, find and follow you? Uh, tepeo.com t-e-p-e-o.com uh, it's probably the easiest place to get hold of us um, and then we're on we're on social I think the links are on there so uh, yeah that's probably the easiest place to start awesome Perfect. okay we'll leave it all in the uh, in the show notes but thank you very much for your time we, uh, we've learnt a lot and anything we can do to support you we're here appreciate that guys thank you thanks for listening to the Built for Life podcast If you learned something new today or found value from hearing from a different property perspective, please comment on what you found useful as it helps us understand what you like and what you want to hear more of. And also please subscribe if you want more and most importantly, please share this video to the people in your network you believe will get the most value from the information as you are personally helping spread information and education across the industry. As they say, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change your world. And by you watching and sharing this, you are now part of that group. And just to finish, if you would like unlimited free access to the world's best research and resources related to health, well-being and the built environment, you can subscribe to the Life Proven Library where academic research, reports and case studies are regularly added. They're then reviewed in detail and the key findings are extracted into easy to use dot points and also a brief summary video. So you don't even need to read the reports. All the heavy lifting has been done for you as you can just watch the summary. So just head to www.lifeproven.co.uk and click on the button library at the top of the page. And as always, if you have a project, an investment opportunity, or you are interested in a collaboration and would like to discuss directly, you can contact us at adam at lifeproven.co.uk.